So we've been speaking about responding to Jesus, right? A couple of weeks ago. And last week we said, how do we do that? Well, we need to hear his voice. And I, I was waiting to jump up, but you guys were sharing so many things I didn't need to. But I was just thinking while we were worshiping, I hope someone's focusing on Jesus, kind of reminding ourselves of him. Remember we said last time, you can do that at home. You can do that in your car. Just don't close your eyes unless you're parked. And uh, I just hope that we're responding to Jesus. We're listening to his voice more and more. This morning, we're going to be talking about applying Jesus' word. How do we apply Jesus' word? If we want to respond to Jesus, we need to listen to his voice, apply his word, and understand his ways. And so we said for some of us, we're like Samuel. We're just starting out listening to Jesus' voice, responding to him. For others like Elijah, we need to start over. We've heard the Lord in the past. We've responded to Jesus in the past. Now it's time to do it again. And for others of us, we just need to shift gear. We're following Jesus and he's saying, that's great, but now I've got another job for you to do. I shift in, in direction. The beautiful thing is that when we read about Jesus in the Bible, he reveals himself to us as the Word of God, himself, not just a book. For God so loved the world, he didn't give us a book, he gave us a person, and he called that person the Word of God. Uh, uh, man, I'm already jump, running ahead of myself. I want to ask you this question. What is it that you think Jesus wants to do in us, in you and in me? What do you think it is? Maybe you've got some, some ideas in mind, but I think it's good for us to ask. What is it that you think Jesus wants to do in us? Do you think he wants to save us? We've heard testimonies this morning. Do you think he, we, he wants to heal us? We've heard testimonies this morning. Do you think he wants to bless us? We've heard testimonies this morning, haven't we? But this is a trick question because I'm setting you up. <laughs> the question then is, and then heal us, save us, sort us out, reunite us, put courage in us. And then, you see, too often we, we, we focus on ourselves and the process. And, and we think that just continues and continues. And there's no and then. A then what? A so what? For God so loved the world that he made me the center of creation. He went to all this trouble. We often say, you know, if there was this one person on earth, Jesus would have died for them. And that's true. But the problem is that many of us live like we're him. That only person in the world. And all of Jesus' work and all of it, it just revolves around me. I'm the center of my universe. <laughs> I think Jesus wants to do all of that so that he can mature us. He can make us useful to him. Not him to me. It's like so often our salvation is, I realize that Jesus has become useful to me, which is true, but he wants me to become useful to him. <laughs> Plan planet earth includes us. It's amazing. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 1. We read together, John chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 11 says, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that so cool? You notice the language. Gave the right to become. He says, in the beginning was the Word, but very quickly we changed to Him, because we're talking about Jesus. The verse, verse 14 tells us, The Word became flesh. And dwelt amongst us. Christmas is coming, right? 
My mother used to sing, the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's head. There's, Christmas is more important than that. Yeah? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We're talking about responding to and applying the word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. Yes? Um, you may remember the parable of the sower. This farmer goes out and he sows his seed and it falls into different types of soil and it has different results. And Jesus tells this, um, this parable, he says, the seed is the word. We're talking about applying the word. He says, the, season, the seed is the word and the soil is the heart. And the disciples just as well, because I'm so glad, because I fit into their company. They listen to Jesus and nod. Maybe you're doing that right now and not have a clue what I'm saying. Like, I hear the words. I'm not sure what you're saying. <laughs> Maybe someone else will have to stand up like Jesus and give the interpretation. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, he then explains the parable. The parable is just a story to illustrate a point. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The message puts it this way. They initially respond with enthusiasm. Have you ever done that? If you've booked your um, your, your, your uh, beach holiday, I would Presume you have quickly responded with enthusiasm to a new gym, gym membership. Because you know you're going to wear a costume in two months' time. But come January, <laughs> come January, our enthusiasm waves. We've had a holiday, we're back home, uh, gym membership gets put aside. <laughs> it says the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives. There's nothing to show for it. Verse 22 says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the words, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Do you notice that language? There are things that will choke the word, making it unfruitful. I... um, we, we can get involved in all sorts of controversies, right? COVID controversies and vaccination controversies and should you take this and that. My favorite was there was a, 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 an image in Australia. You know those Australians? There was a policeman with his, neck, with his hands around the neck of a, a, a COVID protester and the caption someone had put under, under this was, we're trying to keep you safe. <laughs> now, I'm neither for or against you're welcome to, it's not in, if it's not in the Bible, you can have your opinion, right? Not my point. In the name of keeping people safe, here it had devolved to this level where people had lost sense. One man had his hands around another man's neck. I would suggest to you that there are things in this life that will put their hands around our neck and choke the Word of God that has been sown into our heart. And so how do we apply Jesus' word? I remember years ago a friend said, the only 
Bible that's any use to you is the parts that you use. You can hold the Bible and say, in the name of the Bible. <laughs> I was chatting to a new friend this week, and I was saying, hey, do you know what the Bible says about this? We're talking about a parable. And he says, no, he doesn't. So I told him. And he said, yeah, he's got the Holy Bible at home. But he just doesn't know why he's so lazy to read it. I said, exactly. You can hold the Bible. You can pray and hold the Bible. You can shake the Bible. You can even throw the Bible. And it says paper and ink. Yes, but it's when we read the Bible, when it gets into our heart, when we choose to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, that it's the truth, then we apply it, we take it in, we use it, it becomes useful to us. Yes? So this morning, four quick things. We'll talk about how do we apply the Word of God. Number one, we need to change the way we think. We change the way we think. It re re uh, relates to our worldview. At the moment, man, worldviews are clashing. Do you know why you argue in the office? Do you know why we're so frustrated with whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether we should stay at home or not, the economy and the government and, and, and all of these things? Do you know why we're so tense at the moment? Haven't you noticed how, how, how short our fuses are? Have you been driving in traffic this year compared to two years back? There were more cars on the road pre-COVID, but I think there was less frustration. You notice how quickly people get angry in queues? Yeah? I keep telling you, Colette and I like watching these building programs. We're seeing these people build houses during COVID. You must check how quickly they get frustrated with each other. There is a pressure that we live under. And the, the reason is because worldviews are clashing. It's the way we think is clashing with the way other people think. We've lost our grace. James chapter 1 verse 2 you with me? You're right? You guys okay at home? You're right? I can see some cogs are turning, some I'm not sure whether you're just like, yeah, whatever, Craig, be quiet, let's have coffee. Hey? But honestly, I'm contending this morning because we want to say yes to Jesus, right? We don't want to say yes to the pizza from last night, or I had a pain in my stomach, therefore God said. We want to say we want to put up, we want to build on the rock. It's telling to our great builders about building on the rock, Yes? said, if you don't have a foundation, what's going to happen? He says, Poof. I said, exactly. Yes. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. How's that for a worldview? I have to confess to you this morning that when I face trials of any kind, even of small kinds, it produces frustration in my heart so quickly. Oh God, why do I have to go through this? Why is this my lot in life? Remember Elijah three weeks back. Oh, I'm just, uh, I'm going to lie down and die. This is not fair, Lord. Everyone else says it easy except me, Lord. And James speaking to, to um, Jewish Christians under persecution in the first century, he writes to them and he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. How's that for a fresh spin on COVID? <laughs> Now, we can argue the merits, and that's not my issue. That's not my job. My job is to help us to live inside of reality and trust God to change our reality, right? 
whether you like lockdown or not like lockdown is irrelevant to me in this context because the Bible says when you face trials, we should count it joy. We shouldn't complain about the trial or want to argue with anyone who will stand still in front of us long enough about whether there should be a trial. You know, in, in Gauteng, we call the exams before metric finals, we call them prelims. Yes, call them prelims, preliminary exams. In KZN, you call them trials. I was convinced we should change the name t- from finals to tribulations, because you have trials, then you have tribulations. <laughs> yeah, the way I wrote matric, there's lots of both. Bible says, consider it pure joy. Don't just be joyful, pure. Pure joy. Anyone facing a trial? I think everyone is facing trials, but anyone facing personal trials? Anyone? Word for the Lord for you. Consider it pure joy. Can I help us? Why? You see, because when we look at our trials with a certain mindset, a certain worldview, then trials are hindrances. They're difficult. They hurt us. But if you ask a lady who's going to have a baby, we're going to dedicate a baby this morning. If you ask a lady about the pain of childbirth versus the joy of holding the baby in her hand. Ask anyone who's had to push through, the comrade's runner, the person who has to dig deep and push through. When the breakthrough comes, the trial becomes small in their memory. I remember uh, years ago, we had a guy run comrades and then play bass on the Sunday. It was so funny. Um, and then like, he was like, yo, I'm broken. And then by Sunday afternoon, I'm like, yo, I think I'll start training for next year. Hmm? You see, it's, it's our worldview. It's the way we think. And so if we're going to respond, apply God's word to our lives, our thinking has to change. Because Paul says, Consider it joy. Now we can say, yeah, fat chance. I just can't do that. But he goes on to tell, it's because of the way we think. He says, because the testing of your faith, not the hassles in your life, the testing of your faith are producing perseverance. And so if you will allow, I mean, the devil's going to throw stuff at us, right? In fact, maybe even your colleague will be used, the, the fiery darts of the enemy. But we get the chance to decide which column do we put it in. Do we put it in the debits or the credits? Do we put it in the loss or the profit? Up to you and me. Won't change the circumstances, it'll change the outcome. And if I have a worldview that says whatever goes on in my life, God is at work and He's using it for His benefit to work in me so that He can work through me for others then, woohoo! Let perseverance finish its work, verse 4, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow! Wow! You see, if I'm looking at my trials thinking the wrong way, I was like, oh God, this is a big cross to bear. If I'm thinking it with a biblical worldview, I'm saying, okay, this isn't easy, but as you've heard from many testimonies this morning. It's not easy, but God together we can get through. And in that, I will apply your word and you will turn it for good for myself and for those around me. Dave Ramsey says, adults devise a plan and follow it. Children do what feels good. 
Yeah? We apply the word. We stick to it. Whether it comes with trials or not. Oh, this, 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 you know. Kathy, God bless her. She made um, carrot cake for the pastors. And uh, in my world, carrot cake, I always have to say, you know, carrot is a vegetable, right? I think it's the best way to eat carrots, but that's another story entirely. It's up to you whether it's, whether it's a vegetable or a dessert. It's up to you. It's the same ingredients. All about the way we think. Uh, my goodness, number two. Oh, I, let me just say this quickly. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you know. We often read that verse around worship. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You notice there's a pattern that there is in this world. That's what the Bible says. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. Isn't it amazing how in South Africa we're a certain way? If you talk to someone from Europe, they're different. If you talk to someone from South America, they're different. Why is that? Because there's a pattern we live under. There's a pattern we live under. You go to different parts of South Africa, they talk in a different accent, right? Why? Because there's a pattern that they're listening to and talking about. Yeah? We are chatting at home the other day. Uh, who, let me put it this way. Who's, who's uh, due for a, a cell phone upgrade? I check. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I should have. I must use that for, for when I make a salvation call because it's like... Everyone's, I tell you, we wait, we wait, we wait, eh? we wait. They let you know in advance, cell phone contract upgrade coming, yes? Yes? Someone said to me, I won't tell you, who, you know, it's nearly two years, it's time to upgrade my phone. I said to them, do you know why we change our phones every two years in South Africa? Do you know why? Can, do, do you know why? Can I help you out? Because we have been squeezed into a pattern. Another word to use is mold. And molds are moldy. You see, the finance guys, the finance guys decided they can sell fancier phones if they make the payments over 24 months. They figured it out. And so you and I realize, okay, I'll buy my phone now in 21 months. The, the, the company's trying to sell us a new one because, hey, three months' time is up. In fact, they'll even give you a, a, a time off if you upgrade quickly. I guarantee you a phone doesn't fall apart on month 25. When you look at your, you look at your phone, twenty-four month old phone. You think, yes, this thing's tired. Like I don't know if it's going to last. Yes, like our cars. Hey, get your hundred thousand k's. Yo, I don't know. Like your, you know, I can't drive an unsafe car. We're in the city. It's dangerous. Yo, you know, like I, better I take out another loan to get a shinier car for safety's sake. Just own it and say you want a shiny car. Having a little bit of fun, but I'm just trying to show us there is a pattern, a mold that we've been squeezed into. Yes? It's a way of thinking. You and I, <laughs> you and I need to think according to a biblical, godly worldview. Number two, we need to know. Number one is to think. Number two is to know. The Bible says you will know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. Matthew chapter 23 says, you strain a gnat, a small fly, and you swallow a camel. We've got all sorts of truth at the moment. Hey? My truth? Oh, that's just my truth. Have you heard someone say that? It's code for, this is my feelings. This is my truth, which actually, the, when someone tells me this is my truth, then I listen carefully because I'm waiting for the lie. I, serious. This is my truth. No, no, is it the truth? Because by definition, you can only have one truth. We can't have your truth and my truth. It's the truth. <laughs> now, my truth is the speed limit on the roads is... You understand my point? John 8.31 says, If you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples. Because you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom, right there. Not only do we think, but we need to know the truth. Can you give us that that diagram? This is funny. I want to say to you this. in, In this world, we deal with echo chambers, algorithms, and confirmation bias. You know what confirmation bias is? You know when you Google something? I don't know, take a lot. I want something fancy. And then on all your streams, it's like the Lord is speaking. Because you're reading the news and you see an advert for that thing. And then you're watching uh, uh, YouTube and you see an advert for that thing. And all of your streams, that thing keeps coming up. You think, my goodness, that's confirmation. (laughs) It must be. And in your conversations, you talk about it, and then your friends talk to you back about it. You go, you see, even they think it's a good idea. It's called confirmation bias. On the left-hand side, you've got what the facts say. On the right-hand side, you you have those things that confirm your belief. Hey? Where those overlap, where the facts are supported with what you already think anyway. That's what we put credibility on. It's amazing when you think of buying a new car. Do you remember last time you bought a new car? All of a sudden the road is full with the color and the make that you're looking for. Full! In fact, uh, a friend of mine said to me the other day, you know, oh, you bought such and such a car whenever, a year ago. And they say, all of a sudden we see them everywhere. They don't even buy the car. Just that I got a car, they're now seeing my car everywhere. That's called confirmation bias. It's the, we choose evidence to support our opinion. When we read the Bible, we will apply it falsely when we read with confirmation bias. (laughs) How are we sure about the truth? Does it line up with the Word? Have we submitted to our leaders? Have we chatted to trusted friends? Mm -hmm. You see, you can have dreams. I believe in dreams. You can have prophetic words. I believe in prophetic words. You can have visions. I believe in those. But all of those have to line up with the truth, which is the Word of God. Number one, think. Number, number one, think. Number two, truth. How do we apply the Word of God? Number three, we've got to handle the Word of God well. I'll finish quick. 2 Timothy 2, chapter 14. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. It says, uh, let's skip to 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, 
often we think, oh, Timothy was a preacher, he was a church leader, he was a translocal member. Only Timothy, it's written to him, he needs to handle the word of truth well. But I want to say surely every person does. Every person does. Um, you know, in, in, in Acts chapter 6, we know that there are 12 apostles who function as the elders of the Jerusalem church. We know that the number of believers in Jerusalem at that stage already were in the thousands. We know Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, 3,000 people get added in one day. Yes? Imagine if 3,000 people turned up next week. You know how angry you would be that you didn't get your chair or your parking? Twelve church leaders, plus a congregation, plus 3,000. How did they cope? They add 3,000, then they have some problems needing to feed the ladies, so they add seven deacons. Yeah? Is your mass as good as mine? Twelve plus seven is 19. Even if we just take the 3,000 added on one day, the ratio is 1 to 150. Let me read Acts chapter 6 to you. 3,000 people were added in one day, and the pastor rushed from house to house, drinking their tea and holding their hands, begging them, please, to come to church next Sunday. You know what amazes me? Sometimes the more time I spend with people in the week, the less often they come to church. It must be me. How did they do that? Well, you see, how did they cope? How did a church of thousands cope with 19 leaders? The reason being because every church member, every believer, every Christian was sold out. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were devoted. They were devoted. They were handling the truth well. They said, my Bible says, therefore I must do. (laughs) Oh dear, forgive me for just a little bit. Um, Friends, I'm so concerned that the focus of our Christianity is to get me through the week and drag me back to the next Sunday meeting when the world is waiting to get saved. Can I say, if you're still making up your mind whether you're coming to church next week, how will you ever invite someone else to do the same? Well, how will you guys ever share a YouTube link if you're not sure you're going to watch it yourself? We're like, the church must be set up just to get me back, to keep me going, to keep my spiritual engine ticking over when the Bible says that we should be handling the word of truth for ourselves so that we can be useful to others. I want to say we 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 got brand new um, life group leaders. Martin and Alex are taking over the leadership of, of, of one of the life groups. Can I say we want to plant more life groups? Do you know what's stopping us? We don't have life group leaders. <laughs> we would have more life groups if we had more leaders. People handling and applying the word of truth. You know, next year we've got this plan. We're going to hatch a cool plan, and uh, for six weeks we've got. I, I don't have the time. We've got a cool plan. We have a six-week life group campaign. If you have a lounge, if you have a kettle, you can lead a group for six weeks. The Sunday preaching, the midweek meeting, the daily devotional will all be the same. We will give you the video. You just have to have 
invited people to your house and press play. And when it says amen, you give them tea. You smile and you nod. You say, have a nice week. God bless you. And that's one done already. You've only got five more to go. I want to say being a pastor is not rocket science. You know churches that have done this? They say after the six weeks, most of the church's numbers of groups double. Because people realize it's not so hard. I have to hurry. What's left? My last one. Two minutes. My last one is to shine. You've got to think. You've got to know. You've got to apply. Number four is to shine. Have you ever quoted Psalm 119 verse 5? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm about to <laughs> catch you. What we're saying is beautiful. It's true. My concern is that it's when it becomes only a lamp to my feet and only a light to my path, and it's my Jesus who's hooking me up and blessing my life so that I can get through the week so I might come back on Sunday. The Bible says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's my point. If we to read God's word, if we to apply it, it will be shining light for other people's feet so that they can see where they're going. My time's up, but I want to finish with this. Friends, the hour is too urgent to be distracted by immaturity, defeated by disobedience, and sidelined by complacency. My salvation, I'm so grateful for, and God, the work of God in me is so powerful, but my goodness, if it's about me and not about the next guy, we haven't even started yet. I'm grateful for the fact that, I, that, that Jesus saved me. I want to say yes to him. I want to hear his voice. I want to apply his word so that God can use me. He can use you. He can use you guys online to change the world. I wonder if you and I will say yes to Jesus. Say, yes, Lord, I want to listen to you. I want to find the truth in your word. I want to do it. I want to be part of the solution for someone else, not just for me. In Jesus' name. I wonder if you'd stand with me.